Do you want to know the truth? Yeah. Do you want to know the real truth? Please. Okay, this hit is me, so... Hit me with this the, is so the deepest, realest okay, truth. Okay, cool. I'm going to tell you because it's so embarrassing. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a podcast about making graphic design and, would you believe it, making mistakes. I'm already doing that because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a very special guest. Uh, she's done design across the arts here in Portland, both at her undergraduate institution, the Portland, uh, the Pacific, the Pacific Northwest College of Art, and at Portland Institute for Contemporary Art, which, despite how its name sounds, especially right next to VNCA's name, is not a school. It's not a school. Please stop asking. 2016 me begs of you to stop asking that. Uh, these days, she teaches here at uh, Portland State. I fucked up the name <laughs> the, of the school that we're literally in right now. <laughs> these days, she teaches here at uh, Portland State University and is also going back to school herself uh, in the graduate programs at PNCA in the MA Critical Studies and the MFA in Visual Studies programs. It's Mallory Wilson. Hi. Hello. hello. <laughs> Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I can't even describe my own history without getting PNCA, PICA, and PSU confused. So you are not alone. I literally do it to myself all the time. Well, I, that the fact that I could not remember literally the space that we're in right now is is maybe a low point. Already been too full of uh, the PNCA, PICA. PSU. I Everything here has to start with P. I know. There's no there's no other options <laughs> for names. Um, well, thank you for taking this lovely Saturday to oh be God. here in this windowless room. I love it. This terrible. I'm so honored to be here. I love it. <laughs> so honored to be in this I am. I love space. a podcast. Um, well, this, you have the honor of being our first guest in season three, actually recorded within the span of season three. I'm because so I believe both of my, uh, my first two guests for season three were recorded... In one case, the same day as a season two episode. Wow. <laughs> but, You're so busy. Yeah. it's uh, Well, I needed some time there. Uh, and and this was, I stole this technique from The Simpsons. So I'm stealing from the best I mean, yeah. uh, of, of recording uh, episodes for the next season to give myself a buffer, buffer right. in the preceding That's season. Smart. Um, but yeah, so season three has officially launched mm-hmm. and a couple days ago when I was about to post the first season three episode, I realized that there's a thing that I probably should have done, um, well in advance, which is promote season three yeah. a little bit. <laughs> hey, it sometimes it gets really exhausting having to like promote yourself, uh-huh. you know, like I get that. Absolutely. And you know, it's, especially when you're a little out of practice with it as, as I was, um and and last time that I did a season launch I had the benefit of like oh this is new show art so I'll just use that right um, yeah so I was like I'm not changing the show art so what do I what do I do and so I I quickly came up with the idea of like oh yeah maybe it's like we'll talk about dropping the season and so it's like an image of like a three dropping <laughs> and I I leaned into the idea of it being in the show colors which are fairly limited they're beige and yellow and brown and unfortunately those three colors don't always um work well in the abstract (laughs) so i i I think i kind of started season three accidentally in making this image very rushed and then waking up the next day and looking at it with a little bit of a snafu because take a take a look at this image and tell me sort of what the vibe is of it 
Oh, that it's floating. Well, then it's then it's floating. <laughs> but it's... does the color evoke anything in you? Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks a little like a poop. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. This is so funny. I literally had this conversation with students. Like, yeah, you have to make sure it doesn't look like a butthole uh-huh. or a penis uh-huh. or boobs. Absolutely, like, constantly. The, and um, it's I mean, just so easy. If if you're <laughs> intending to do it, then it's good. But yes, this yes. was this was truly a. I woke up the next day to post the image. For the next season episode, and I'm like oh, dropping the deuce oh, that is fuck. season three. Yeah, like <laughs> how many people are looking at this image and reading this as like, oh, literally oh this God. new season is going to be shit, which <laughs> 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 is pretty, pretty hey. much the worst possible way that you could introduce a new season. I don't know. I feel like self-deprecation is like very in right now. Yeah. So maybe you're just on trend and you don't even know it. I guess so, but it's like <laughs> it's. Also, I mean, it truly is the thing where it's not intentional, and yep. like I was just working. I like literally, this was made in an hour before I yeah. posted it, <laughs> and I didn't even bother to think of like, well, maybe I should have flipped the colors. Yeah, that's right. That's why you gotta sleep on it sometimes. Yeah, before, <laughs> and you can't you can't change an Instagram image. Nope. It's truly frozen in time yep. forever, <laughs> a crystalline entity. So now you have your theme of your season. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. I'm so honored to be a part of this. <laughs> um, well, it's, yeah, I mean, there's, unfortunately, that is going to factor into later season episodes, but I, I I'll, I'll leave that until it happens. Um, Mallory, yeah, yes. so I I appreciate you being here. Awesome. Um, so what, what brought you here? How did you get to this point? Oh, um, what was um, your start of your design journey? Oh, my God. My start of my design journey, I mean... I've always been artistic. I've always like been a part of like the art world. Yeah. My mom is super convinced that I'm like an amazing illustrator and that I can draw. And I'm always like, Mom, it's different art school. I, I can't. This is this is a problem that I have with yeah. my mom too. Yes. Absolutely. Different kind of art school. Um I started school when I was like nineteen in Wichita, Kansas at WSU. Oh. Uh, Wichita State University, which um if you watch Ted Lasso is what the college that he is from. That's where yeah. Ted Lasso's from? Yeah. yeah. Did you meet Ted? I wish. Uh, uh, that would be amazing. Uh, he was, no, he it was, was already It was like a thousand years ago that I was 19. So um, so I went for a year as a painting major. Um, legitimately terrible at painting. Discovered. Um, <laughs> super big, cool. That's yeah. a big problem. <laughs> uh, decided I really loved printmaking, though. And I did Intellio printmaking for... Um, I just like fell in love with that and screen printing. What what had drawn you into painting in the first place? I didn't know what else there was. Oh, <laughs> you just wanted to do art, and yeah, that was like art on the top of the list. Yes, I I grew up in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, and then moved to Kansas, the middle of my junior year of high school. And so I wouldn't say that my tastes at the time were expansive, <laughs> uh, <laughs> little limited uh-huh. on my perception of the world and or what art was. Um. And, you know, like when you're a kid and you're in middle school or high school, like you get those cheap things of paint from the art store and you're just like, I am Picasso, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, I am God's gift to this. And <laughs> and then you're around people that are actually good. And you're just like, oh, wait, never mind. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's what hands are supposed to look yes. like. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. I've just been making hands like the AI. Yes. Except like, worse. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um yeah, and so I, I went to school there for a year, was so terrible, and couldn't finish. Oh. I dropped out. I just, you know, I've always had trouble with school. I always, like, always, always, like, I had tutors in high school. Like, I was not, uh, I was not great at, like, the standard 
way of doing work. It wasn't that I wasn't like smart or that I didn't try. I just had a really hard time like memorizing stuff and then like regurgitating that. Well, that and that's such a different yeah. like brain space than it I is. feel it like totally a lot is. of creative people are able yes. to to work in. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not smart enough for college. Like, that's never going to be me. And so I dropped out and then entered the, like, working world, like, right when I turned 18. And um, it was my first job. I've had so many weird jobs, <laughs> which, honestly, I really feel like makes me a better designer. Oh, honestly, absolutely. Like the, absolutely. The people that – I could talk about this for so long. But, like, the people that I see that go, like, straight from, like, college to um, – like whatever job they're doing, yeah. I feel like you know how like in Israel you, they like require you be in the the army for two oh, years. Yeah. Well, that's like I think most countries have yeah, which something I mean, it's terrible. Like that. But I think that like I think that everybody in America should be a part of the food service industry for two years, like just as a requirement, <laughs> so like that you know how to treat other people better, yeah, um, and that you know how to like treat people in that industry. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I've had a lot of like really crazy jobs. And so then moved to Portland when I was in my 20s and just was working. I worked at coffee shops. I was a manager at a coffee shop for years um, and then started bartending. What brought you out to Portland? Was it just oh like wanting to get... Do you want to know the truth? Yeah. Do you want to know the real truth? Please. Okay, this is hit so... Me, ob- hit me with this the, is so the deepest realist okay, truth. Okay, cool. I'm going to tell you because it's so embarrassing. Um, I was raised fundamentalist Christian. Oh. Like, Dirty South, man. Like, I lived in the Bible Belt. And I was fully a part of that culture. Like, I want so hard to be like, I knew from the get-go that this wasn't me. No. I was (laughs) full-on hardcore Christian for a long time. Up until, like, literally, I think I was about 22. Wow. Yeah. And so I got married very young when I lived in Kansas. And my then husband and I moved out to Portland to go to a church. Really? A yes. specific church out here? Yes. It's so this was saying nothing about my past is cool. <laughs> I am, I am, uh, just That's true of most unforgivably people. Yeah. Uncool. Um, yeah. And so, uh, moved out here. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait. Life exists past the Midwest and the South. Um, yeah. Literally, we got divorced the next year. Wow. Yeah. And um, and so then I started, I was on my own for the first time and started working and just, that's kind of all I did. I was like, this is my life. And yeah. then started bartending, which I loved. I'm pretty sure I peaked as a bartender. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, you have... You have an amazing personality for a bartender. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think that's I think that's why I feel like I kind of peaked. Um, because, you know, when you have, like, really bad concentration issues and you can't focus on anything, you can do 12 things at once very yeah. successfully. Absolutely. Um, and and, that's but why... you also have, I mean, I feel like I want to tell you all of my secrets <laughs> just right now. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. I, when I was younger, I did not know how to filter that. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I first moved to Portland and I was on public transportation for the first time, I... Oh, no. You don't want their secrets. No. Like, people that would literally be sitting next to me, like businessmen, would turn to me and start talking. What? About the, and I would just be like, it, it's something on my face that says, please, tell me your secrets. It happens to me all the time. What? That's the wild. Time. It used to drive my mom nuts because it happened when I was young, like really young. And she would have to be like, please stop talking to my child. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't know what it is. Don't uh, tell my child your secrets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what it is. But uh, so as a bartender, yes, I, I learned many a secret. Um, and, you know, 
you you see some crazy shit bartending. Yeah, for um, sure. And so there's really like there's kind of a lot of overlap between bartending and teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's I just try not to swear as much, but um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not successful at. But um, yeah. No, and so I just decided at one point that I was like, well, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I worked, and my husband had two years left of college. My now husband. Um, we've been together for 16 years. Wow. So, yeah, it's been a minute. That's amazing. He's amazing. He's the best. Um, but he was he had gone to two years of college and then went back. And so I worked and put him through school. And because with bartending, you know, you can make that, you make that money. Yeah. Um, and then he got his job and started working at Nike and I was like, man, he's making that look good. You know, like I at the time was working three to four days a week and for bartending, like four days a week is a lot. Um, Like five days is considered like pat. It's like, would be working like a 50 hour week? And that Um, would really uh, like, especially those hours too. That's going to wear on It takes a toll on your body and your brain for sure. Um, Between working at a coffee shop for like 10 years and then bartending, I never had like my circadian rhythm just does not exist. No, you so fucked. Like, yeah. it completely. <laughs> no, I was either getting up at four a.m. or like leaving work at like five a.m. You know, so no good. Yeah, no yeah. good. So, <laughs> um, so but it, the lifestyle bad. of that, yeah, I was like, maybe like I'm not, you know, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Like maybe I should look for something else. And um, I decided on graphic design because I was like, I want to do art, but not. I, I want to get paid. Yeah, um, you that's know, fair. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have that mentality about it. Even though you can get paid as an illustrator and artist, like of course, uh, but I was never like really good at it. And so, um, so I was like, I'll just do this then. Like, and I just decided I had no clue what I was doing. I had no <laughs> idea. Like, I say that to people, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I was so so bad, so bad. Like I just really, uh, I know we were talking about this earlier, but like I just did not understand a lot of the like art school culture. Yeah. Um. And like, I I was 32. I never thought about my age either until I went back to college, and I was just like, holy fuck, I'm old. Like <laughs> you know, I have a really but, embarrassing story about that. Too, but we but. like you came here. Mm-hmm. I should also say, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you came to Portland State. Yeah, Portland my State- first the first year I came here. Yeah, and um, like literally had never opened a document in InDesign. I just remember when they're like, okay, do this, and I was like. How, how do you turn on the program? Like I had, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was no. so bad. Oh no, I was so bad. Um, and just did because I was very overly confident as a bartender. I was crushing it. Yeah, crushing it. Absolutely. You know, and it's just such and that's just a, moving fast yes, and like yes, and it's just such a different environment, such a different culture. Oh my god, I did not understand critique culture at all. Oh no, oh uh, no. I feel like I owe so many teachers here an apology for my <laughs> sophomore year. Because <laughs> like some teachers were chill and were just like, you need to calm down. Like Because I thought it was like, well, I'm going to do this and I need to go up there and defend my decisions. Yeah. I did oh, not. No. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. And coming from bartending, being a relatively aggressive person, um, that I was just like... I thought I was really supposed to be like, stand by your choices and then like, listen, if you like what people say, then you can change it. And I I finally had a teacher, my typography teacher, Kimberly Sutherland, who is a creative director, I believe, at OMFG Co. Yes. Um, Oh, my God. She saved my life. Like, I'm not kidding. She it was her first year, too. She had never taught at PSU. And we were her first class. 
So she, she probably yeah. still in the in the graduate program. Yeah, she was. She was. Um, it's funny because she didn't even know what portfolio was, and we were talking to her about it, and she was like, "I need to go redo my syllabus." She redid her syllabus in a day. Damn. Yeah, I know. So that well, yeah. she could like help us out with projects, and she really got me through that semester because I just remember tell- talking to her once, being like, "I'm not coming to class. I'm too frustrated," and she was just like, "Just come to class, and we'll work it out." Yeah. And so she was very much like, "I feel like maybe you're coming at this from the wrong angle. Uh, maybe you should just listen." Like, <laughs> so I learned a lot from her. Um, but yeah, I was so bad and worked really hard and you know made good grades and was like i'm gonna do sophomore portfolio i'm not gonna listen to briar's advice at all and (laughs) who was like that's gonna be a problem because briar 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 levitt famously very good at knowing design absolute genius yeah and i was like i don't know anything about this culture i don't know anything i'm gonna do all the classes and portfolio because she was like maybe you shouldn't do all of this in one year Considering you have no experience. And How, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, what was your course load like? Oh, I took taking... five classes my freshman year, which is, or my uh, beginning of my sophomore year, and then four for a portfolio. And I was working full time. Uh, no. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> you so shouldn't much. do that. Learn, learn from my mistakes. Uh, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's rough. So bad. And, and just a lot of it came down to me not understanding the workload and the culture. Yeah. Um, and so I worked really hard. And, you know, my grades were okay. But... When I this is when portfolio had to print it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, back and in the day, I spent so much money on that thing, thinking that like a- another mistake is like, well, if I pay for this and make it look like really fancy and cool, then it's gonna like they're never gonna deny me. I got a one. Oh, I failed. No. I failed so hard. Yeah. Um, and it wrecked me because I didn't know what I was gonna do, and I was like, this this is a sign. I should not go back to school, but my oh. mom swoops in. And it, who also went back to school when she was in her 30s. And she failed algebra three times. So wow. she, took, she took the class four times. And she was like, honey, if I can fail three times and keep going, so can you. Yeah. Um, I actually do this thing for my students. I have this jar of erasers, like really cute, funny erasers that I'll give out. It's kind of like, you know, nobody likes to sit and listen to a lecture for two hours. Um, are these erasers shaped like food items, yes, perhaps? Yes, they I are. I also collect these. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I yes. should have brought you some. Um, I, I, like, give them out to my students as they participate so they can participate in class. And yeah. So, like, if they answer questions, especially tough questions, they get an eraser in honor of my mother, who, um, when she was... Finally, when she finally passed her algebra class, she's still alive, by the way. It makes it sound like she's not. Um, she's alive. She's she finally ass. passed. No. Ellipses. Her algebra yes, class. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, she almost failed the fourth time, but her professor was like, I'm tired of seeing you here. Um, you've done a great job. I'm going to give you two bonus points on your final so that you can pass. And so wow. she did. And so, but she was that close. Yes, yes. So, in honor of my mom's struggle and her like perseverance, um, if my students hold on to those erasers at the end of the term, they can turn it in for two points on one of their big projects. That's and, yeah. that's <laughs> really smart. That's really smart. I'm stealing that. Uh, yeah, you should. Oh my god, please do. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, I failed, and I failed hard, like so hard. Yeah. And I was still working at. Uh, I was still bartending, and. I was like, well, I'll, somebody suggested maybe you should apply to PNCA. And I was like, man, if I can't get through portfolio at PSU, I'm not going to use that portfolio to try and get into another school. Yeah. Because I was just like so awash in my own like misery and yeah. self-pity. Um, <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh on you yes, no matter yes. what. 
Um, so luckily I have just an amazing group of friends and family and support system. And they were like, cry about it, get up, dust yeah. yourself off and, and get back to it if it's what you really want. And so I really had to make the decision, like, is this what I want? But I fell in love with it while I was participating in it. And then like, I just wanted to succeed out of spite, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, it works. Spite fuels me. Like, <laughs> and so I was like, well, I have spite to keep going now. Yes, that's me. right. Like. So I was like, well, now I have to keep going because I can't just accept the failure. I'm too stubborn for that. And so I applied to PNCA and I got in and I got like a huge scholarship there. Oh, nice. And so that was the defining moment for me. Where I was like, all right, let's do it. And so then I, I went to school there for the next I, – I repeated my sophomore year there and went for the next three years. Um, and did, yeah. you, did you feel like going in there that you'd learn some lessons about especially critique but also like <laughs> how, to, how to approach this in a – different oh my God. way yes. that was maybe healthier and yes. more sustainable for you oh my god and you know one of the things that we talk about this as graphic designers like i tell my students this all the time like you will never not be critiqued no it doesn't matter what you do like you will always be critiqued yes and one of the biggest things that i try to teach them is like understanding what to keep with you and what to be like okay maybe no yeah you know like you can learn that over time and like critiquing isn't just about like telling other people what you don't like about their work it's also understanding the why behind what you don't like and what you do like or what you think is successful and unsuccessful and i did not understand that at first and so i really had to sit with like you just have to like scoop out your ego for a little bit and, yes that's a great way of putting yeah, it. yeah and just like let your failure be a companion not an enemy yeah and um there's a really horrible wonderful quote um that was by a, a long distance runner that runs like 200 miles at a time um and he said if you make friends with pain you'll never be alone whoa i know which is like so intense but also makes me feel so much better like about life and then like that is true like it is true and so like the things that we tend to push against so hard especially when it comes to critique and ego and like you have to have enough ego scraped together you know to like form a personality and like stand up there and present your work but not so much that it keeps you from listening to other people absolutely yeah i'm also i cannot stop thinking of <laughs> And this is a terrible, terrible thought that's popped into my mind. Like <laughs> Batman, if Batman got like that vinyl that you can get at oh like God. a home goods store <laughs> and it's it's in those terrible script fonts that they use. But it says, uh, when pain is with you, you're never alone. Yes. <laughs> so, so brooding. <laughs> I love it. It's really made it's the guest room friend. a lot cuter. <laughs> it really it ties the room so together. It in here. <laughs> But in a dark way. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so real. I'm a creature of the night. But also, there's this lovely little lamp here that's <laughs> providing such a warm glow. Hey, we all need our aesthetic. Absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag aesthetic. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really had to figure out what parts of my ego I was going to keep and let go. Yeah. And, you know, I I've done that a few times in life. I'm a Scorpio, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I sometimes, I think especially as for, like, women, too, sometimes when you're in positions of leadership or you are find yourselves in an environment like being a manager or bartending, like, you have to be a little bit overly aggressive in order yeah. to keep... Uh, to get the same respect that other people do. And so I really had to reassess the idea that like that is a tool but i don't need to use that tool all the time yeah and i say this to my students 
constantly they're so sick of hearing me say it that like everything you learn is a tool but like you're not you don't want to fix a hole with a hammer you know yeah absolutely and so like understanding that like i hate this tool i i don't like learning this tool but i don't have to know it all the time but i when i do need it um it it's going to be there for me um so yeah i had to kind of figure out some new tools in my tool belt and um i still it took me a long time to let go of some of my ego when it came to uh, making work yeah. and building um, building that wall of separation between you yes, and the work is yes. one of the hardest parts because I feel it like. reminds me of the like Aaron Brockovich movie when she's like that's my work that's my time away from my kids if that's not personal I don't know what is yeah I don't have children but I and I I, I, I want to spend time with my husband and my switch and you know like <laughs> I'm like having a life and um, you are constantly <laughs> trying to clean up that waterway yes. that has been polluted by some company yes. I think is the plot of that movie <laughs> yes it is the pg and uh yes uh, you, are, you are correct um but it kind of feels like that you know and so when i went to pnca i had really amazing teachers and i think of like bijan barahimi who owns fisk he, oh, yes. he i had the absolute like pl- honor of having him for more than one year because he was teaching sophomores and then moved up to teaching juniors a- as we moved up Ooh. so we had him for like a year and a half and um he really taught me a lot about ego <laughs> and i just remember one time at critique he was like why are you trying to not do critique yeah during critique and i was like what are you talking about and he was like why are you trying to make it seem like what you have is finished and I was like, I know it's not finished. And he was like, no, I know that. But you really seem like you think it is. And so I really had to reevaluate yeah, how I was being perceived. Yeah. Because a lot of times in my mind, I was like, I'm not being argumentative. I'm just curious. I need to know why you think something. But it really came across that I was arguing. And so sometimes other people's perception is reality, is more of a reality than how you think you're coming across. And so I, I had to really think about that, too, and, and modify my behavior a lot. Um, that's That's a... I mean, that must have been a very hard conversation mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. have, like thinking about it from the teacher side. Oh, I'm sure. Poor, like, that's what I'm saying. He, I've said so many apologies to him. Uh, but that's <laughs> like, it sounds like that is so valuable. Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. To, to think that you're still thinking about it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we. I think about stuff my teachers say to me all the time, even the bad ones, even the really horrible things that were said to me um, that I've had to have full on just like exorcisms <laughs> to get their voice out of my head, you know, <laughs> like because I just can hear them telling me that I'm not good enough. Yeah. And oh, I'll, I'll forever be haunted by yeah. one of my teachers in undergrad who yes. just his method of critique was yes. either saying this is working or this is not working and not really give you much of a sense of what is not working. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had teachers straight up look at me and be like, maybe you should just never do typography. Like that is, and now I teach it. Now I teach typography, you know? And because, you know, there's a point to where like, you just can never let somebody's, somebody tell you what you're capable of, Yeah, you know, especially if it's in the negative. Yeah. Um, But then you also have to do the work and exactly. But you actually have to put in the work. And you know, this brings me, to um you know that we're talking about failure and about like you know my failure at PS- PSU first now it's all come full circle and I teach here like it's so wild when when they offer when Kate was like here's you know this job and I was like uh, are are you sure <laughs> like do, do, do you know I do you know I failed portfolio like <laughs> uh, she was like no it's a great story I love it and I was like it is a good story yeah. like it's funny how it's come full circle but, but I think that's true of, of a lot of folks that that teach here like yeah. ultimately sometimes failing portfolio review the first time mm-hmm. ends up being 
being this chance for yeah. folks to do exactly what you did and yeah. like reassess and like figure out what you actually want out totally. of this and yeah and like you know get I th- way better and too. get and and understand that like I had to get better yeah. you know and it's funny too because now thinking about uh, there's such there's such an interesting conversation that happens with my students with other people that aren't a part of graphic design at all about if something like art is so subjective how can you figure out what is good quote unquote and bad yeah. and like how where where does this canon come where's the canon that you're comparing everything to and so that's why i tell my students like read the brief please um yeah because yeah. <laughs> it might look awesome but it's not completing the brief so you know um, and that's that's the thing about portfolio review yes. too is it's really like here's the list of skills that yeah. we are looking for show that you have skills yes. in all of these areas yeah it's really that simple yeah and you know it's funny too because I, I i can't tell if it's just because i'm like have this un- underlying bitterness because uh, I failed, but um, I do find portfolio to be a struggle. Um, just getting my students to turn anything in right now is such a pain. Well, uh, like- <laughs> yeah, this is this is really the silly season in terms mm-hmm. of yeah. like we are as we record this, we are a week away mm-hmm. from portfolio review yep. submissions. Yep. It's due next Thursday. It's due next Thursday. So less than a, it's five less days. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So, um, but you know, there is this interesting conversation that tends to happen about what is considered good, what is considered bad, what is considered successful and not. And so one of the things that I tell my students a lot is that like there are cultural norms within a certain like – Graphic design has its own cultural norms about what it's considered good and bad. Yeah. But that modulates over time. Oh, very. So much. And like, radically. Yes. And now because of the internet and like our exposure to so many other things, like that time frame changes. We can see it change in real time. Yeah. And as opposed to when it used to be like generations of things, we see this with fashion right now too. Um, I talk a lot about the intersection of fashion and graphic design because fashion really does influence so much of design. Um, and. Like those things are almost collapsing in on each other, like those cycles. Yeah, well, and, uh, and it, which is fascinating. I was thinking about this. Like, I feel like it used to be that the one of the big shifts would be when there was a technological change, and right. we've almost gotten to the point where there, you know, there's probably still going to be technological change that we don't oh, expect. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean, like, AI comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, that is going to be a <laughs> big one for us to yeah. figure out. But if anything, that's going to just completely make it even more like even more into these little tiny pockets of things yeah. whereas like now we have we have at least the technology to kind of do anything you want to yeah. do grunge typography totally. do you it. can achieve it yeah. it won't look as good digitally right. as if you were doing yeah. it you with know with paste up yeah. Yeah. yeah but like <laughs> you can do it um just the same as you can do swiss modernism yes totally and it's and, all and, the same tools and the, this is this is where i talk about in my class a lot that like if you have anti-design, right, which is kind of what we we're talking about, like, this like push against the standard, um, which I could talk about like in its own podcast, but um, you have to have the standard for design to exist yes. in order for the anti of something to exist. Absolutely. And so like if you don't have that, they have to exist together. Yeah. Even though they are contrary to each other. But like you can't have an anti-something if the thing it's anti doesn't exist well and yeah. that was something that i feel like i picked up really late in my design education too because like i at the very end i started taking art history classes because of course i left those right to, to the last yes. minute uh <laughs> i'm i'm the same as you all design yeah. students um but like one of my art history classes one that was really valuable was we went to a museum in town after hours and we would just sit oh, in cool. front of two paintings and they had a show of picasso oh, weirdly nice. enough yeah. and 
a lot of what they would talk about is like actually Picasso was like a really good representational painter mm. first. Oh yeah, totally. And that's why he was able to yeah. make that shift. And it's like it's, Mondrian, his his like reality depictions are amazing, but he's like known for his like square, like flat, like yeah. color blocking squares. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you need you almost need that foundation yeah. in like knowing yes. all those skills before you can get into the other thing and really understand what it is that you're riffing on. Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly one of my biggest critiques about portfolio in general yeah. is that I think that a lot of times students really struggle with learning some of the basics um, and then also creating at the same time. So it's a little bit like learning scales yeah. when you're trying to compose music. Um, but yeah, that's so interesting that, you know, exactly. So you like, you have to know the rules to break the rules exactly. kind of a thing, you know? Um, but I find it, I find it fascinating in the way that uh, not just my students, but the way that like people that I know in the graphic design world approach failure or success can also be very similar to how people approach um like just hating on something yeah or thinking that if you like something it's not an opinion i don't know if you've run into this yeah, I, absolutely okay I have. yeah because like i i've talked about this too especially from like the female perspective of oftentimes femmes when we are in, like excited about something or enthusiastic about something it's seen as like indiscriminate that's like oh well they just like everything and so you don't have an opinion but i feel like you can hate on something and that's way easier to do it's so much shit on stuff all the time and like just never even have an opinion but it has the feel to people but it has exactly more substance even though it's often so much less substance and it seems that like there is this like sort of like intellectual superiority if you are just shitting on people's work um or if you're like i only like this style this is the only style that's relevant because somebody told you that it was cool yeah and that you know that's such a trap unfortunately that that especially folks who are new to this field will get into and like nothing is above critique i don't think and so which sometimes i guess makes me sound argumentative um oops there it is again Uh, but I mean, I put myself in this category. Like as teachers, like we hear critique all the time yeah. from students, and um, like in a good way, it makes me a better teacher. And unless somebody's like, "Well, I just hate everything," and I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't." Yeah, there's no way there's to really there. engage with that. It's the same way as being too centered on things. If you are too afraid to give an opinion, you have no opinion. Yeah. If you love stuff too much and you're completely like, I mean, I feel like all extremes of that, like if you're just hating on everything all the time, if you're just obsessed with everything all the time, like it tends to all just come out the same in the wash. And so I think that there's something about being able to articulate the why of like, I love something because of this. And sometimes you can love it just because it looks sick. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's that's valid. That's valid. But Uh, it's good to also have more reasons. Yes, it is. Exactly. (laughs) And I think think a lot of times you don't have the same awareness of how to describe your likes and your whys without having experienced failure yeah like i really think you have to go through like oh somebody disliked myself so much that it cost me something or i overestimated my ability so much that it cost me something yeah you know and and i think that that's a really difficult place to land I, I did this I did this speech once um, 
this is actually really embarrassing, but I did a speech about um, failure and I was talking about failing portfolio. Um, was this at This PNCA? is a PNCA, yes. Um, and I was talking, it was the fuck up nights. Have you ever seen the fuck up nights? <laughs> no, but oh my it God, sounds right so up my alley. Oh my God, they're so awesome. You would love it. Oh my God. It's like a touring, like they do it in all different cities. Oh. And so they asked me to speak at this and I was like, oh my God, I'm so honored. And then I was like, wait a minute, why am I always being asked to talk about failure, man? I'm like, <laughs> Oh no! I've no, continued the cycle. No, it's actually it. It's so great though because I, I really I, I claim it because we all fail. Yeah. Um. And like you said in the beginning, it is part of the process. It is. And it re- like fears the mind killer, right? Any Dune fans? Um, <laughs> I am so not afraid of failure the way I used to be. Yeah. Right. You know, and so it really does help you like become fearless. But I was talking about the first time I went to Wyden Kennedy and I was just like in awe and I was like, this is just like the pinnacle of what I think working and design field would be. And I saw it, it does feel like some sort of weird, like yeah. advertising. Oh, yeah, theme it park. Is. I mean, it, it, oh, theme park. Absolutely. Yes. But it was like, I'm like, this is my kind of weird. I can get into this, you know, like I like this. And also I was like a sophomore. And so I saw the wall that said fail harder. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And so in my speech, I was talking about how I hated that because I feel like a lot of people don't get the opportunity to fail and keep going. And, you know, there's a lot of demographics that feel like I can't fail the way that you can as a white woman because you get more options than I do. And so I have to be perfect all the time. And that's all I can think of. And I'm just sitting there just like shitting on this wall in this speech. And the guy that did the wall is sitting in the front row. (laughs) And I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) He was actually really cool about it. He was like, I I appreciate your take. (laughs) Um, He did not have to be so nice. So, you know, I failed a lot. Um, But I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, especially in sticking with something, knowing when to stick with it, knowing when to let something go. um, Like if I had failed algebra three times, I feel like I would have been like, the universe is telling me to stop, you know. But like my mom's perseverance got her to a point where it gave her this new life. And so I think that it can be I think one of the hardest lessons to learn and why I think college in and of itself is important versus just like learning something on YouTube because like, I mean, let's be real. Graphic design is not brain surgery. No. You know? Like, no. You can, and there's there's a lot of great yes, creators out there making have never gone great to school. design tutorials. Exactly. And like, I know people that never went to college yeah. that are professionals that could absolutely design circles around oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Like, hands down. But for me, what I, like for me and my ability to process yeah. and understand, especially like the culture around graphic design I had to be a part of that and I had to have people kind of handhold me and explain to me um why certain things are are not something you should be afraid of like failure yeah and you know I I think that I always whenever I talk about failure I always have to put it in the terms of like I am allowed to fail more because being a white woman, I get that privilege and other people do not have that privilege. And, you know, I, I talk about that a lot. I went to my students too. Um, but yeah, like it is one of those things that nobody likes it. Don't get me wrong. I hate it. No. It doesn't mean I'm not going to cry about it. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> or get like really mad. Um, but I also will come back around and be yeah. like, okay, yes. And and the more experience you get and the older you get, the smaller that time of like, ooh, it stings, the shorter that time gets. And the more you can appreciate like other people's perspectives on you because it makes you a better person. Yeah. You know, because if you're only thinking 
if your mind is your limit, like your brain is your limit, then that's it. You're never going to see anything past that. And so I might not always love to hear other people's critique of like my work or my life. Um, but you know, that's another skill you have. You start to learn like, do I need to take this to heart or do I need to tell this person to fuck off? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but it's true in the, in the land and like the, the time of the internet troll. Um, we talked about this, like how to not be an internet troll. Yeah. Like it's very important. I think it's very important to be able to say like having expertise is important Yeah, because I am not going to sit there and tell I'm, I'm terrible at illustration. I can't even, I am so bad. <laughs> like when I have some students and I just look at their work and I'm like, Yep, that looks awesome. Yeah. I got I got nothing Seems for good. you. Yes, cuz I just don't know enough about it and I'm just like that's amazing. Like so I'm never going to look at somebody that's like an illustration major or that has been doing this their whole life and has a ton of experience. Like I'm not going to shit on their work like I know what, yeah. what is going to make it good. I can say like I don't like that. It's just my opinion. Um and this is the the philosophical conversation my husband and I were having last night that like what's the difference between opinion and taste? And like, Ooh. how do you, how do you differentiate someone's, cause we often say like, oh, they have good taste or like, oh, that is a particular taste. It's not mine. Yeah. You know, but like what is the difference in those opinion versus like somebody's opinion? And my, my thought was like, I think it's expertise makes taste. And when opinion and expertise come together, you get someone's taste for something yeah there's so much there that's like such a convoluted topic but um. it's so complicated Mm -hmm. i mean i'm thinking about like it's it's so hard because i like the expertise part of that too is like so there's so many lenses yes it's so loaded exactly like you know there are people in in this field that are way more academic and they're coming at it from an academic perspective of like in a way design is like more of an art form oh, yes. to I, them. I agree with that. But that's yeah. also like not practice right. for the most part. Totally. Like, yeah. Most of this industry occurs in not in academia. No, but in not the field. at all. Well and we uh, you know, teaching typography too, we talk about like there are so many very specific standards for type. Yeah. Um and then there is this like anti design kind of type that's happening and yeah. and that specifically comes from in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but I, I I believe that our our move towards this move away from Swiss design to almost like we don't even care if some stuff's legible anymore. Yeah, I truly believe that this this comes from the uh, racism that surrounds typography. Oh sure, because like if you are keeping literacy, like typography is literacy, yeah. right? If you are withholding literacy from groups of people. And basically saying, you can't sit with us, you go over here, and we're going to make all of these standards, because if you can't meet that, then you're bad. Yeah. And you other people so hard to the point to where you have let no other cultures participate in what typography looks like now. Yeah. That, like, they are like, great, we don't want to sit with you anyways. We're going to go make our own stuff, because your stuff is not cool, and we're going to make really cool type, and it's going to be awesome. And then everybody over here is like, wait a minute. We kind of want that too. Yeah, yeah. that's the stuff that that reinvigorates yeah, the field. Every, exactly. You know, exactly. Every but the same thing has happened in fashion, and this is why I talk about like fashion and design being so linked. Is that like high fashion, very specific for a very long time. Yeah. No one can sit with us. We are the pinnacle of this. And then people are like, we don't want to sit with you. Like we want to, we want to do our own thing. And and then street fashion happens. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you see street fashion in the runway, and you're like, wait a minute, this pattern is repeating. Of like. <laughs> 
we're over here othering everybody and saying our standards are the only thing that matters except that when we see that we're like wait that's so wrong because yeah. we also want that too and so now we see typography changing just the same way we saw streetwear becoming high fashion and like all of these things because we haven't quite figured out how to interact uh outside of this like kind of like perpetual like racist issue that we always are will deal with in america um and i just i think it's very fascinating that like the failure that anti-design was seen as right it was you look at stuff that's popular now like ugly reigns supreme right now yeah like and it's so fascinating to me that like people are interested in i want it to look terrible i want it to be illegible <laughs> i want it to i want it to i want it to look gross yeah and i love that i i honestly really do <laughs> to me i i'm also reading it as like a rejection of how polished corporate oh like God, everything yes. is so yes. on brand all the time to Absolutely. the point that like it almost feels like i, I have this conversation with students all the time about mm -hmm. portland state and green and like oh, interesting yeah like we've evolved into this world where everything has to be green if it's the brand and right right even like 15 years ago that wasn't the case yeah. and that the omnipresence the the like it almost feels like it's so stifling yes. everything yeah. that comes out of these kind of corporate spaces yes. that you have to exactly. create that you if you are not in it, you have to just like explode yes. and be and be like so different, like so yeah. anti, which is I mean, so beautiful. It is. And we're seeing this on Insta Instagram comes to mind because like we were there when Instagram started. Uh -huh. OK, look, looking <laughs> around with those great <laughs> look, filters. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, so many filters. So little time. Um, and it used to just be like you upload pictures of your life. Yeah. And now I've seen people that are like, here's a photo dump of my, my month. And I'm like, and, and the. The culture around this and i'm seeing is people are like this is so different than what in, in instagram is for and i'm like is it because that's how i know it yeah that's but, what it was <laughs> but it's already come back around because it went so hard into the like if you don't have a perfect aesthetic for the grid that oh, is your instagram God. you do not belong here those, those boss like, girls only you know <laughs> like every, those like grid takeover things oh my drove God. me yes, nuts back totally. in the day because and you i had to make some stuff like that yeah you know? and <laughs> if, when you experience them in real time as yeah. a viewer where you get like a corner of a thing that has like three yes. letters oh my in god it. i did like, that once i did that once because i hopped on the trend train um and i <laughs> regret it i regret it every time yeah. I, I look at my grid every time i'm like oh. every time it's not perfectly in line I'm like this is trash yeah uh, which it is most <laughs> of the time I know, exactly <laughs> exactly it's so unless dumb. you're posting in threes mm -hmm. oh it, yeah but it, it is interesting to see that like things were so chaotic like being growing up in the 90s yeah right i mean the internet 90s was kids. 90s kids the internet was the wild wild west man yeah that shit oh. was so insane like <laughs> the stuff that like that's why i feel like millennials are so like especially i'm an elder millennial like we're so fucked up dude like from the stuff that we saw on the internet before there were like actual rules oh wild there, yeah there was some there's some real spooky stuff oh, that yeah. was on there back my in the day my sister and i I told this story to my niece and nephew who I live with, my sister and her two kids, and my husband and I decided to buy a house together. Um, and so she moved from Alabama to here. And so living with children is fascinating, especially Gen Alpha, because like they don't know what an AOL disc is, no. obviously. Um, well, so many of them don't even know what a disc is. Yeah, to no, be, yeah, to totally. begin with. Um, and so like 
trying to explain to my 11 year old niece who is a genius by the way she literally codes her own games i'm not kidding wow yeah she uses sql and python it's wild this is what my husband uses at nike yeah she's she's amazing um anyway so we're Set, trying... setting herself up well oh man for, uh... she's i told her when you take over the world don't don't forget <laughs> me uh... <laughs> But so we were describing my sister and I used to chase each other to the mailbox to get the AOL discs, oh. you know, that had the minutes on it, yeah, so that we could AIM our boyfriends. <laughs> Wait, so you would you would create new AIM accounts with yes. with these Every time. Yeah. five thousand three free hours, yeah, and then totally. I assume you'd cancel when yeah, yeah. you ran out of hours. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And then you hear your mom like, "Get off the computer! I have to make a phone call." Because we all had landlines. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was all it was all over phone. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was twenty two. Wow. Yeah. So we had a very analog childhood. Yeah. And a very like techno technological adulthood, and it is fascinating to see some of that kind of change because we talk about okay, here's another topic. You talk about failure. I think it's very fascinating that age has been folded into failure. Yeah. And this might be chronically online take, and I'm willing to accept that. Um, but there is a very fascinating thing that's happening with Gen Z being so inclusive, being so open, except when it comes to age. Yeah. Like, I have seen people literally be like, if you're past the age of 25, you're dead to me. Or, like, the fear of getting older is so real. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate to break it to you, but the majority of your life is going to be past the age of 25. Well, that's like, true. But I feel like that's always been the case, yeah. though. Like, I think, I I think, think when we were younger. I think it's just more of a voice now. Yeah. Now, now you can get that stuff out in public. Yeah. Whereas, like, back in our day, it was just like, well, there like, was no audience there for was, that. Yeah. And, like, I just never remembered caring about people that were older than me. Like, I did not care. Like, but now I see so many people that are just like, millennials are the worst. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, if you're a millennial, then you have no opinion. Well, yeah. And some of that is media. Yes, Totally. Trying to boost genuinely things enjoy, with fights. Yes, exactly. I genuinely enjoy getting older. Um, you just, I feel like I have so much power now, like mentally, uh, you know, that oh, I used I, to. I don't, know that I'm the, I don't know if I'm there with you there. <laughs> I mean, Oof. I feel like I've always been told that, like, I, I'm turning 40 this year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Um, and so I've always felt like people are like, well, by the time you're 40, you're going to be so culturally irrelevant. You're never going to know anything that's going on. And I feel like it's the absolute opposite. No. I feel like I've just, yeah. like, I am like the professor of pop culture now. And like, for example, my students were talking about, we were talking about the matrix, like iconography and like the things that are like, oh, that looks too much like the matrix is kind of what I was saying. And they were like, yeah, okay. And they referenced something else. And then I was like, how many of y'all have seen the matrix? One. Yeah. Yeah. One it's, of them had uh... seen the matrix. I was like, I can't tell if I'm ancient or if that's bad. Like well, I had, I had a student. Actually, in this very same room, mm. uh, recording a limited run podcast called Vontroversy. Subscribe now, unless it hasn't come out yet. In which case, subscribe eventually. Uh, <laughs> Love that plug. But our host uh, revealed during that recording that they were born after nine eleven. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah. Um, when people want to, like, I would look at people's IDs and stuff. It's like, oh, if they were born in two thousand, then I know that they're of age yeah and just oh. the thought of that and i was just like that's so upsetting that's that's that's, that's a lot that's so upsetting. a lot <laughs> but no I think thanks this idea that there's this like you know 
once you get past your like youth that there is like failure involved just by by default yeah. that, like your opinion is not the same it's not seen as valid and but i also think young people do with that too and that people say like you're too young your opinion's not valid yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and so i feel like they i feel like when you're younger you have to deal with the same kind of thing yeah because they're basically saying like you don't have as much experience as me because you haven't failed enough right um yeah. it, there's just a special window when you're yes, 28 yeah, and that's everything's it. perfect like, yeah. um yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's it's so it is it is really fascinating and i i think i think too in my case um to to skip ahead in your story yeah. to pika like when oh, i yeah. was at pika i stopped teaching mm. and i got to be a much worse designer um fascinating. in in part i think because i like being around those voices uh, of people who are in a cult- different cultural yeah. context than me, yeah. which I get every day here, Absolutely. like it really, it makes you better and it makes it you does. look at things in a different way. Oh, and, absolutely. Like, it makes I, you look yourself in a different way. Absolutely. And sometimes absolutely. that can be really uncomfortable at first. Deeply uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you my very embarrassing story when I started PNCA. Please. Um, and I thought that I was like, I'm so cool. I know everything. And so one of my classmates, who's amazing, they're so great. Um, they, we work on a project and they were like, well, I think about, I'm thinking about using like BTS for this project. And I was like, what does that mean? And, <laughs> and they were like, they're like, oh, it's, it's a, it's like a K-pop band. And I was like, don't you feel like you want to use something that's like a little bit more popular like, <laughs> instead of something like people don't know anything about? And they just looked at me and they were like, well, I mean, it's like, they're the most popular Millions band in of, the world. Literally. And yeah. I was just like, maybe you should pick something more popular. <laughs> and then I went and Googled it and I was like, oh my God, it's happened. Yeah. I'm out of touch. <laughs> like, it, yeah. It was such a defining moment. I think about it all the time. And they were so nice to me about it. But I was just like, oh boy, I need to just shut my mouth and, and start listening. And you were talking about being around students a lot and, and teaching and Okay, so for people that don't know, you and I both worked at PICA. I worked after you. Yes, I should have um, framed it with that. Yes. Yeah, so you worked at PICA uh, for how many years were you there? I was I was there three years, which made yeah, me that at that point the longest serving designer. Yes, probably. Yeah. I was there for three years. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I left after that. But um, yes, the it's, it's so interesting because I left PICA because I wanted to work at an agency. And it was the experience I really wanted. I was like, I feel like I need to have this in my repertoire so that I can understand this culture and design as well. Yeah. That was a year and a half ago. And I have been trying to get a job in an agency since. And I have had, I've redone my portfolio so many times, you know, and, and really had to stop and think like, okay, I'm not landing on this. What is my, what is, what is my fault in this? Like, how do I fix this? Because it's not like I'm trying to get any graphic design job. Yeah. And so when you have this one specific thing you're trying to do, it really does take more time and it, it kind does. of limits you. Yeah. Yeah. And so. And it's such a chaotic time. Oh my God. I feel yes. like in advertising, especially. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and I got this amazing opportunity to work at PNCA for their, um, I did their lookbook for the school. Um, Which is very good. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, I, that project, I, I learned so much on that project too. Um, and then then Leslie from P- from Pika, see yes. I, I can't the, say the the, words right. the marketing director. Yes, Leslie BJ. Oh my god, she yeah. is so epic. I love her. Um she I, like I think about it like I owe my career to her basically. Uh, cuz she hired me at Pika. She didn't know who I was, but um but then she was like, "Hey, um have you thought about teaching?" 
And I was like, I just don't know if I want to get in that avenue, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And it felt at the time because I'd had so many rejections from this particular world. And I was watching other people succeed that I was like, this feels a little bit too like those who can't do teach. And so I was like, yeah. And so I was like, is that? And my sister, who is an educator, um, but for like K through 12. And she was like, I'm going to stop you right there. (laughs) Like like she really, she really came through and was like, is that what you think about me? And I was like, no, because this is what you do. Like, you're good at this. And she was like, I think you might be underestimating the role that being a professor and teaching would play in your own skill set. Yeah. yeah. And because she was like, because we joke about like listening to it. She homeschools my niece and nephew and like they're smarter than us. And so like we listen to them. She talks about stuff like she's teaching. And I'm like, man, I don't remember any of that from middle school. Like, <laughs> and but she, but it, she does all the time because she's teaching it. And so, you know, you don't need to, she can convert tablespoons to gallons in two seconds, you know? <laughs> and so I just have to ask her and she can do it for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. But what you were saying about it makes you better. I, can't even tell you how much of a better designer I am now. Yeah. And for all the times that you think, oh, I'm just going to do this career because I feel like I failed at something or I haven't gotten to this point, because sometimes I feel like my entire career feels like all I do is fail. Um, but that's just a perspective, right? And if you flip that perspective over and you look at it in a way that's like, this, maybe this just needed to happen to me first. Yeah. And before I get to, this other place in time that I think is success, but that's just my opinion of success. And if I start looking at what makes me a successful designer, like I'm, I'm adaptable. I can still learn. And like, being around my students like if you're going to teach something boy you better you better know what you're doing absolutely because <laughs> like you they're going to find not. questions that you've never thought of yeah. i'm always impressed what my students can do to InDesign. design i'm like i have no idea how you did this yeah, like <laughs> yeah there's, so, like, there's still there's still mysteries in yes. that program that i've yet to unravel oh same but like you really do have to know what you're doing when you're teaching and it's made me like it gives you a perspective on yourself because it's just like like I have 26 people in my typography class and it's just like 26 little mirrors of yourself yeah. in some in the good and the bad. Absolutely. And so like the things that I see about myself that I'm like, oh, I'm doing this great. And then also like if I have a class of 26 people and all of them are struggling with something, then that's on me. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's my responsibility to be like, OK, obviously my communication I'm on this was this not bad. great. Yeah. <laughs> And then being able to listen to my students and be like, okay, how can we adapt and do this better for the next round? Yeah. You know, and that kind of experience, like, boy, does it keep you humble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) In a good way, like in such a good way. Um, But it really, but it also gives you amazing skill set and being able to adapt and work on the fly and like talk to people. And like, I have no fear of people watching me work. Um, even though I mess up all the time or like yeah. I, I can't spell stuff sometimes. And I'm like, I promise I'm not stupid. I'm just panicking. Well, I, um, think, <laughs> I, I used to like I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, especially in the page layout class, which you also mm, teach yeah. about like doing demos good, which is mm-hmm. a really tricky thing because you are trying to demonstrate how the program works and you're trying to make 
a design without making a mistake mm-hmm. and field questions. Yeah. And I think there's another component of it, which I didn't realize until like maybe two or three years in, which is also you're trying to make it not intimidating. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. It, like I would. And design is very intimidating. I would sometimes focus so much on like making it good that mm-hmm. I would make it intimidating. Totally. And then folks would be like, I can't do that on the yes. first try exactly the way that you did it. And like so like it got to the point where I would like. I would intentionally make the design maybe bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and That's like smart, that though. helped. That's smart. It really helped. That's that is so smart. That's a good idea. I'm actually going to steal that too. Yeah. Um, you can I, do better than me. Look what yes, I did. Yes, exactly. This sucks. Oh, so many of my students are better than me. Um, but that's the thing. Like I'm I'm learning from that too. Um, also, like I let them watch me work yeah. a lot. Um, I learned so much from watching Bijan work and there were times where I would literally be like, can I just sit behind you? And I would sit behind him while he was working on something else. And I would be like, wait a minute, how did you do that? You know? And I learned (laughs) hotkeys from that. And like, it made me so much faster because he was working faster. And I tell my students this all the time. I'm like, the faster you work, the more of your life you can live away from your computer. Um, so I had another teacher that used to say, make bigger moves faster. And that's always stuck with me. Like being able to like ideate quickly and have like major variation in that. Um, and And you got to do it at the beginning. It can't be something that you are shafting off to the very end. No, no. And, and, Shunting? Is, yeah, yes. yeah, I think it's shunting. <laughs> shunting. <laughs> so inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm I just talking about shaft. We're just talking about shafting. Uh, <laughs> Can you dig it? What is I the think, rest of that song about? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's something very interesting about being in a place as a sophomore or a freshman and having failure be the goal. Yeah. And which can be very difficult when, you know, just in America, we also have grades, you know, yeah, <laughs> like we also that, have to have grades. Um, such an annoying. It is. Yeah. Well, I, it, it really, worked... It's not from this kind of work. It no. Is, it is no. so stuck to and, like science and yes. math. And yes. Yes. So things much. Where yes. there are right and wrong yes. answers. And we had um, we had several times when I was at PNCA where we had exchange students um, and they would just be like, how do y'all function? doing yeah. this like uh, so this is another really interesting perspective but um when i first the first um like assignment we did in my typography class in pnca um was called the hundred views of edo and it was uh my teacher basically also taught you page layout and so the hundred views of edo which were at the portland art museum recently which was so cool oh wow. uh, yeah so cool they're um it's prints by a japanese uh, printmaker from like the I, I'm going to get the date wrong so I'm not going to say it um, a, a long time back. ago yeah <laughs> um, and so we had to make a hundred layouts uh, that ma- like that uh, went alongside the images and he gave us uh, type to use and we had to do variations of that oh shit but you had to do like 20 per each one so by the end I literally had 1500 pages for this 200 page book it was wild <laughs> That's a and lot oh of my pages. god I hated that project at the time because every class we had to have like 20 of them we had to have them printed off and, and posted for critique and looking back though it is one of those assignments that made me hands down better i still do it to this day i do a different version of it too for my students um this is totally credit to david my teacher um david chattis um but 
I do a variation of it now for like drills to like show different how you can make variations faster and how you can make like big moves faster. Um, but it is one of those projects that like you just have to fail a lot yeah. at it in order to get better. And so having a grade connected to that can be like really tricky. Um, but now I do it for like bonus points for my students. So they're not there's not like a grade attached to it. Um, but it's so that they can learn to just fail over and over and over again until something works. And then you're like, oh, I made that. That was a mistake. It's just oh, it's a happy accident that, that happened. I'm like, no, that's what experimentation is. You yeah. do it enough to where like your subconscious brain and your conscious brain are working together. And it, I feel like those kinds of things are so important because it keeps us from being too afraid of failure. Yeah. And we start to see failure as a companion and not something to, to fear. Absolutely. Yeah. It really, it's, it's such a big, it's such a big thing to, to think about. Um, so you after after PNCA, you actually worked mm-hmm. at PNCA for yes. a while there too. Yeah, that was when I did the book. That was when you yeah. did the the lookbook. The lookbook. Yeah. Um, but you you moved into a role at again my my former employer yes. and yours, Portland. <laughs> it would be weird if it wasn't your former employer. And I, I was bringing it up. I know. I, I uh, did. I got that job my junior year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Pika is Pika is a lot. Pika is yeah. a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> they have a a quite large <laughs> festival. Oh yeah, TBA. Um, yeah. Yes, the the time based art festival, which I believe I one of one of the things that I love to do there was suss out the history of certain things. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure that Christy Edmonds did name it TBA just because yes. she didn't really know what it was yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think the original press release just calls it TBA. But I kind of love that. Yeah. I love that that kind of stuff. It's a backronym, but yeah. a great great backronym. Did you know that Marina Abramovich was a part of TBA? Yes, I did. That's amazing. Well, I I used to so one of the things that I would love on on when we did mailings was uh, her name would always be top of the mailing list. Mm-hmm. And I would think about like, wow, my work is getting to Marina Abramovic. And then yeah. I would think about, wow, Marina Abramovic is definitely going to throw away my work immediately yeah, upon totally, seeing it. Totally. <laughs> not, not even look at it or open it. Oh, my it. God. Yeah. Oh, well. It's fine. Yeah. She, she perceived your work and that's all that is. <laughs> or one of her assistants, probably. Yes, probably. Whoever yeah. was checking her mail that day. Yeah. Marina Abramovic's mailman, though, yeah. really had to spend some time parsing the address on <laughs> Totally. It. I remember getting an email from Miranda July. She oh, was also a part of it, yeah. and she was like, "Hey, I'm looking for this." And Leslie and I were just like, "Oh my god, like, <laughs> that's so amazing!" Hopefully, it's not one of those things that's just on a mini DV tape. Because oh boy, oh my god, talk about the archive there. No, we it took us so long to you find got, it. You got to get out the ye oldie yes, computer. We did though. We found it. Like, but it took a minute. <laughs> yep, Pika is you know another fascinating like cultural moment, right? Because it's a nonprofit, and there's. Um, a lot of cultural shifts that happened there like yeah. after or before I got there um, and you know going through like 2020 there was pretty insane yeah y'all um, had yeah. to reinvent I mean TBA before mm-hmm. is like you know it's like a 25,000 person international yes. festival oh, yes. yeah. where people are packed in and you oh, know yeah. Great in parties. different venues so around fun. the city yeah um, to imagine what that looks like in a not physical format, I imagine must have been quite a challenge. It was so it was so crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I graduated in 2020. And so I feel like I lost a lot of opportunities because I never got like an internship because there was not, nobody. Yeah, did, none of us did. Just you know? Yeah. Um, I even because I at PNCA thesis is a really big deal. and You do it for a year. And it's kind of like our version of fresh like PSU has fresh. Yeah. Um, and I spent 
you know, the better part of a year working on a project and I had to redo it in three weeks because my project was a performance and I was working with a local musician and she was going to be singing and I had, I was doing digital projection mapping Oh God. and then it mixed. And so then we had to record everything and like mix it and all of that in like three weeks. It was wild. Well, that uh, recording and mixing things, that's only a little bit more work, right? <laughs> that's not a huge extra lift oh, on my, top of the thing. Oh my God. It was, it sure did teach me a lot about pivot. <laughs> and so <laughs> the biggest pivot of my whole life uh but, so, we, but, but at you're Pica, doing that we did while two. you're working at Pika. yes, yes. Oh, God. and so like every project i've been working on for like a year all of a sudden fell apart yeah and but you know it was one of those things where leslie and i just like we're looking at each other and we're like we don't have a choice let's just do it yeah let's figure it out like let's the best way we can approach this is we're going to be sad about it for a minute and then we're going to tackle it like it's a challenge and and we did, and it was it was so crazy. It was so crazy. Um, but I honestly think it was the best version of what we could have done at the time. But we went from having like a hundred volunteer, hundred plus volunteers, and it was me and like two other designers, to it being me and Leslie. Yeah, and and then the, obviously the other people. What it that was, working, I mean, yeah. yeah. In my day, it was always just me and and the marketing director. That's insane. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot of floating parts and pieces with yeah. TBA. Like you are this design role. You are especially like when you have the other designers. You've got yeah. like people reporting you to you, mm-hmm. and you're trying to get all these different print publications mm-hmm. and websites yeah. and like other pieces of yeah. collateral that. There are so many of. So many. I mean, so many weird, more, unexpected chunks of that's work. That's why, oh my God, yes. That's why I feel like Pika is such great experience, especially for like new designers. Yeah. Because first of all, I didn't know any different, right? <laughs> um, I was like, this, this is just is how it is. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah, no, um, normally you're you're making three print right? publications at the One same time. One person's always doing this amount of work. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, the life of a nonprofit. Um, <laughs> but also like you do like environmental design you yeah. do like wayfinding you do in print ve- material in venues that you've never been to never before seen, have never no seen. idea how the house is going to work nope and like but boy did i get great experience the first time that they took me into the warehouse when we were doing something and i was working with an artist and like listening to the artist talk about what they wanted for like you know when you walk in and you see here's the exhibit here's the paragraph of information on the wall here's the name and they were like, well, I want it to be like this. This is about the size that I want. And like Leslie is sitting there and I'm just like, am I supposed to know how to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember just like the wave of panic and being like, oh, I've made a mistake. Like, <laughs> well, even even that, I feel like uncommon, that that level of Yeah, but Leslie, having, she has her master's yeah. and, and she does, she hangs her own work all the time. And so I was very used to that and taught me so much about like, okay, we're going to take a picture of this wall and then we're going to use that as a mock-up. And then you're going to put the type on the wall in the mock-up so that you kind Damn, of get an idea so of how it's supposed to look. And then we're going to do the math about ratios and figure out what size our document needs to be. And let me tell you something. If somebody had told me to do that on my own without her help or die, I would have died. <laughs> you, so she taught me a lot. <laughs> yeah. You would have had the classic first approach at vinyl, which is either really, really yes, tiny oh my God, or, or massive, so big yes. that it's like, ah, uh, this is going to take a year Because you're a nonprofit. You, you don't get a test print, man. No. You get one shot. And it did actually, it's funny though, because that awareness of the relationship of ratios made me realize how bad I was at the grid 
And it re- I was like, oh, wait, I kind of get this now. That, like, the grid is about a ratio. And so yeah. now I teach this. Now this is how I teach how to use how to do the grid. and Because um, I've taught the Design 200 and 300 for uh, page layout. And, yeah, it, it's just it's amazing what experience can you can fold in to understanding something that you really thought you already knew. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to, like, get new experiences and do things. Uh, one of the things I always tell my students is like I want you to be inspired by something other than other people's work. Please. And so like yes. they're not allowed to put too much of other people's work on a mood board. Yeah. Like I'm like I want to see a texture from nature. Yeah. I want to see a weird hat. You know, well, like <laughs> and that also gets into like the when you are just I mean and I think this was my problem when I was there. I was just living in design. Yeah, I would same, come same. every weekend and yeah. work on projects because I was so same. behind constantly. Always. And I, I think that's a big part, too, of why I got worse is like yes. I was not experiencing other 100%. things. <laughs> and this is one of those things I also like give Bijan credit for because he would literally be like he, he gave me some of the best advice I've ever gotten. And some people like give me shit for um, being such a stan of Fisk. But like, I don't care. Like this, <laughs> this goes to being like people think that I'm enthusiastic and somehow that means it's like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, no, I know that Fisk is amazing. Um and but he he gave me some really great advice that like he was like if you're only taking in design work you're never going to be better than something that's already been done yeah yeah. and you're only looking at something that's already been done he was like you don't have the skill of being able to be inspired by something and create something based off of what you like and what you want and what you think those influences should be and man my little like junior brain just exploded and i was just like oh my god right the skill set comes from design but the the solution comes from somewhere else oh my god that's Put that on a fucking pillowcase, man. <laughs> put, put that oh. on Batman's wall. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> it's so true. The other thing he told me, because he was like, because I didn't know how to work properly. Like you said, like I was here, I was working every weekend. I was so burned out. Yeah. I never had a chance. I never gave myself the chance to experience other things and like go to show openings and like all that kind of stuff. And he yeah, was like, yeah. yeah, he was like, you are headed towards burnout before you even start. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to give you some advice. <laughs> and I'd say this to my students. I say this to everybody. He was like, you need to be putting in a solid 85% all the time. Yeah. Not 100%. Yeah. It's and like, even even like to so work real. at a nonprofit is such a oh mission driven job. And you really <gasps> yes. have to believe. Oh, my God. We talk about this. Holy in the mission. No, I reject that. To to the point that I was even making offerings to the yes. weird pika. Oh, what, yes. What is his name? Oh. Do you remember? I can't remember for the life me. of me. They're going to kill it is me. A weird... from... It's not Bruno. It's something like that. No, They're going to kill me is, for not remembering. It's like a guy's name. <laughs> yeah. But it is like a weird little mm-hmm. a little creature. It little, is. He's just a little guy. And, and there's like an altar to him. They make yeah. they have made offerings to oh, yeah. him every time they've done like yeah. major projects. Totally. I've made offerings to Same. him. Same. I do too. And I it, love me an altar moment though. It, it like is really – but I think it's also like part and parcel of like you're in this – mode where mm-hmm. everybody is coming together to make yep. the show happen yep. and you are part of yes. this and it is so hard to to uncouple s- that uncouple that and even when you absolutely need it yes because the the idea that like the message cannot be currency yeah like the concept of these things is not currency and so having the whole like oh well you have to believe in this enough to override your own basic needs yeah. is never going to be something that i would tell people to do no like you can believe in something with boundaries 
And you have to. Yeah. And that's one of the things like I, I feel like I really was so lucky to start when Leslie started because we started at the same time and we were she had boundaries, man. Yeah. And she taught me a lot about that, too. Yeah. And she she'd been in that role. Yes. too. She was yes. my yep. immediate successor. Yep. Um, yep. And to so, deal with my weird files. <laughs> oh, my God. No, we loved your files. Are you kidding me? You're the most organized person in the world. No. We would always just be like, thank you, Sean, in the middle. Like, I've never even met you <laughs> at that time. But we would be looking for something and it'd be like in your files. And I'd be like, oh, my God. Thank you, Sean. Uh, so, <laughs> so, no, you did great. <laughs> you're very kind. But it's true. Like, if you're going 100% all the time, the, the times when people need more from you, you're going to be over your, you're going to overextend yourself so much. Yeah. And then if you're always at 85%, you're doing great you're doing all these things we have enough of that percentage for your life and then if somebody needs something from you you can kick it to 100 if you need to but you just don't live there no right you can't and and that really did change and then all of a sudden i was like okay i get this like these pieces are coming together and it was my own you know because i was coming off of the failure of psu i way overcompensated and was like i must be perfect at everything in order to make up for the fact oh, that no. i failed you know yeah which is terrible only disaster only come from disaster that. and so my second sophomore year there was also just so ridiculous because i was trying so i was running from my fear of this failure and yeah. i was running from i needed to prove myself um to myself and to other people that I was worth a damn because of this. And, you know, because you can tie up too much of your own self-worth in your job. And, like, I had people that were, like, I was working so hard and I was working full time still. And, like... You talk about overextending yourself. <laughs> That's a great way to do it. That's Dude, like a for sure way to do it. I, I did. Um, PNCA had this, has this thing called Make the Code, which is really cool. And yeah. you can get like a math and science credit through their workshops. And so I was like, oh, I'm doing that. Like, and you learn a lot of coding and stuff like that. And so I did that. But the workshops were like in the mornings on the weekends and I bartended. And so Fridays... I would go into work at like nine o'clock at night and I would get off work at like four in the morning and then I would go to the workshop at 9 a.m. and I would do the workshop until five o'clock and then oh, I would go no. to work at 7 p.m. Oh, and work no. until five in the morning and then go to the workshop at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, uh, I had a great time in college. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I also feel like that again with the age feeling like failure sometimes that I was also always trying to prove yeah. that I was I was still running from the fact that I made this decision later in life and there's something there's a lot of really amazing pros and cons to going to school when you're older yeah. and it does give you a better perspective on uh, what's important and like it's okay to get a B sometimes you it know it really is and you know it's I didn't love that but there were times that I had to be like all right like yeah uh, I do have to sleep at some point um, that's much more important than yes both the short and yes. the long term oh but the cons are that you do feel behind kind yeah. of constantly and like there are people that are my age that have been in this for a decade now and I'm just starting out and that's why I always feel like a little bit behind in life but it also like my friends that are going through like major bin life crises um, that are like oh I'm so tired of my job I'm like I'm having a great time so <laughs> there is a pro to that too <laughs> I'm like I'm just getting started <laughs> um, Mallory it's been such a joy to oh have you here thank so you great. so much thank um, you if people want to find more yeah. about your work and and uh, what you're doing now where, oh, yeah. where do they go where do they look um, my I mean, I, I am old school, and so I have an Instagram, uh, Mallory Designs, and my name is M-A-L-L-A-R-Y. Yes. Um, and then my 
um, website is the same, MalloryDesigns.com. It's That's easy it. to remember. Yeah, Mallory I was I always love it when yeah. you get URLs that are easy to remember. I just did Mallory Design because I was uncreative and didn't want to come up with a name, <laughs> and then it just stuck. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin, though. Yes, it does. Ultimately. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you again. so much for this. It's so fun. It's such a joy <laughs> having you here. Um, and also, hey, hey, listener, I'm talking to you now, the person on the receiving end of this audio. Uh, you're listening, and that means thanks to you because you like this wow this is really bad doing such a good job <laughs> so good you. crushing it true how well, to come back from failure <laughs> absolutely we can i can i turn this around um well if this show sounds like it's something that is right up your alley why not rate review and subscribe to it on whatever service that you use to listen to podcasts um apple Podcasts is a great place also to leave a, a rating or review i check that pretty regularly i don't know how to do that on other platforms so if there's comments there please send them along to me because i'd love to see them uh unless they're bad in which case you can send them straight to hell <laughs> um even better though than all those things you could tell a friend about this show like i said we're right here at the start of season three um the shittiest season unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I feel so special. Uh, yikes. <laughs> uh, you you can follow the show on Instagram. Not Twitter anymore. Don't go to Twitter at all. Especially not for me, because I won't be there. Uh, just going to leave that to the wolves. <laughs> um, and also, uh, you can you can follow the show on YouTube at DidIDoThat.Design, um, which is uh, also another place where you can you can listen to episodes. Um, hey, DidIDoThat.Design, that's our website. Go there. Watch by which I mean listen to different episodes uh, to your heart's content and enjoy the website that I built. Anyway, I really turned that around. It's, it came out real good. Crushing um, it. <laughs> Crushing it. Such a positive voice. Um, this has been Did I Do That? I'm Sean Schumacher. And as we always say at the end of every episode... Oh, no, I'm panicking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I'm panicking. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>can you swear on this podcast swear to your heart's okay content. great yeah i don't mean to i genuinely do not mean to swear as much as i do um <laughs> and i've really had to like be aware of that as a teacher but you know i was a bartender for too many years i feel like i was born swearing <laughs> i just came out of the womb just like fuck well in <laughs> fairness that's a that's a rough go i don't you know ba- just born babies i feel like are often purple and just yes. like fuck yeah i was breached too oh I came out butt first so as rough a time as it gets talk about failure (laughs) started ass up (laughs) anyways you want to talk about graphic design (laughs) yeah absolutely I'm not even kidding. My friends and I in high school, because there's nothing to do, we used to drive out to the cornfields and watch them burn the fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In case in case you ever thought I was cool. What? But my friends and I used to drive out there and like sit on the hood of our car and watch the fucking fields burn like it's entertainment. <laughs>
<laughs> this was before I, we had a lot of internet access. <laughs> that, that feels like a post-apocalyptic version no, of I know. like early, late eighties, early nineties trope of like driving out to the end of an airport yes. ramp. Oh and my then god! Yes, having the planes yes. go over as you're I sitting mean, on your car. When you're, when you're like seventeen, it feels like very romantic and cool. Yeah, um, like Ethel Kane vibes. You know, like she would love that. But uh, looking back, I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> like <coughs> pesticides. I mean, just yes. Oh my god, totally. <laughs> 